Hello and welcome to The Forge. My name is James and this is the place where I teach verse by verse through the Bible. I am a retired U.S. Air Force Master Sergeant who went on to serve the Lord's Church as an assistant pastor, worship leader, and youth pastor. During my time in these roles, I finished seminary and I hold a Master of Arts in Biblical Studies and a Master of Divinity. I've been involved in ministry in some form for over 25 years, and it is my hope that this podcast will be a blessing to you as I teach from God's Word, the Bible. Forge exists to serve those whom the Holy Spirit is calling into a relationship with God through His Son, Jesus Christ. This is done through biblical teaching so that individuals understand God's forgiveness, live in its reality, and overcome the wounds caused by bondage to sin. I will always hold to the truth found in scriptures, and a summary of my doctrinal statement is worded perfectly in the five solas of the Reformation. I believe Christians experience gratefulness and renewed purpose as they are encouraged by the words of life, which spring from the Bible. I pray that this podcast plays a role in God's ongoing work in your life. Don't forget to look in the show notes for links to the podcast website where you can leave a donation or leave a voice message with questions. I will be collecting questions for a future Q&A podcast. Also, please leave a review on whatever platform you are using. That and telling others about this podcast are the two biggest things you can do for me. Now grab your Bible and get ready for a verse-by-verse study. May God bless the reading and the hearing of His Word. Hello, dear listener. I'm so thankful that you've joined me here once again. Today, we're going to continue on our journey through the book of Genesis. We pick it up today in chapter 40. And as a bit of a refresher, we want to remember that Joseph was 17 years old when he was sold into slavery and ended up in Egypt. And when we left off Joseph, after working for some time in the house of Potiphar, had been accused of rape, or at least attempted rape, on his master's wife. Uh, Joseph was not put to death, but he was placed in prison. And just as Joseph had risen to success in Potiphar's house, he was once again promoted to what we might think of as the head prisoner under the authority of the warden. And once again, he is so trusted that the warden does not even look into anything that is under Joseph's hand. We're going to see in this next portion of study that once again, God was with Joseph. So at the age of 30... He will have an audience before Pharaoh. Of course, we are not there yet. But Joseph will be placed in charge of Egypt's grain conservation program. Uh, 
And though God was with Joseph, as God's word records for us, please take note of the fact that Joseph spent a total of 13 years combined as a slave and then as a prisoner for a crime he did not commit. And with that introduction in mind, let us pause now for the reading of the words of the one true and living God. Genesis chapter 40. It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. So they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream was its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of the Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? And they said to him, We each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. And the chief butler told his dream to Joseph and said to him, Behold, in my dream a vine was before me. And in the vine were three branches. It was as though it budded, its blossoms shot forth, and its clusters brought forth ripe grapes. Then Pharaoh's cup was in my hand, and I took the grapes, and I pressed them into Pharaoh's cup, and placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. And Joseph said to him, This is the interpretation of it. The three branches are three days. Now within three days, Pharaoh will lift up your head and restore you to your place, and you will be putting and you will put Pharaoh's cup in his hand according to the former manner when you were his butler. But remember me when it is well with you, and please show kindness to me. Make mention of me to the Pharaoh, and get me out of this house. For indeed I was stolen away from the land of the Hebrews. And also I have done nothing here that they should put me into the dungeon. When the chief baker saw that the interpretation was good, he said to Joseph, I also was in my dream, and there were three white baskets in my head, on my head. In the uppermost basket, goods for Pharaoh. And the birds ate them out of the basket on my head. So Joseph answered and said, This is the interpretation of it. The three baskets are three days. Within three days, Pharaoh will lift off your head from you and hang you on a tree, and the birds will eat your flesh from you. Now it came to pass on the third day, which was Pharaoh's birthday, that he made a feast for all his servants, and he lifted up his head, up the head 
of the chief butler and of the chief baker among his servants. Then he restored the chief butler to his butlership again, and he placed the cup in Pharaoh's hand. But he hanged the chief baker as Joseph had interpreted to them. Yet the chief butler did not remember Joseph, but forgot him. Friends, let us consider here as we meditate upon the words of God that Joseph had spent 13 years of his life being mistreated. But let us also remember what the Bible tells us. God was with Joseph. So a question which may come to mind is, was that time wasted? The world would say yes. And a rather pessimistic postmodern worldview might point to the racism or the extreme nationalistic pride of the Egyptians. Perhaps if there had been such a thing as Hebrew lives matter or a movement like that or the social justice warriors in Pharaoh's culture, they would seek some kind of social justice for Joseph. After all, Joseph had been wrongly accused, clearly mistreated, and he was wasting away in prison. And the demonstrators might even try to march on the capital and attempt to destroy all the great monuments of Egypt. After all, what a waste of time, this young, talented man being sent to prison, clearly on trumped-up charges. What a miscarriage of justice. And of course, no such demonstration would be tolerated in a monarchy. And I'm simply pointing out here that it's very easy to miss the point because we often do not have a clue what God is doing. So from our viewpoint, it may very well look like a waste of time, a miscarriage of justice. And certainly I would agree that this was a miscarriage of justice, but the point is, it was not a waste of time. It was not a waste of time. God was with Joseph. I believe God would say these years were not a waste of time. Thirteen years of being treated unfairly had prepared Joseph to lead and to not be prideful. Do you think that Joseph may have had a little bit of grace in his heart now that wasn't there before? A little bit of mercy where there wasn't mercy before. You see, God ordained this time to transform Joseph into a man for God's purpose. God would ultimately be glorified in the life of Joseph. Joseph. And pause here for just a moment and think about the fact that Joseph's life has been recorded in the Word of God. And friends, this is never going away. The Word of God does not pass away. And here we have Joseph's life recorded. How many people have been uh, brought to salvation or how many people have heard this Word from God and been encouraged? And how has God been glorified through the ages because of what is recorded here? How many Gentiles have seen the glory of God through this story? 
How often do we grow impatient with waiting? How often do young people, people as young as Joseph was here, they want things done now. Certainly that's the way I was when I was younger. It's funny how as the years pass, how you tend to grow in patience, long suffering, mercy, and grace. You know, and we see these kinds of attitudes as far as wanting to get things done now. It, it often happens with a young person who's gifted, a young, talented person that thinks he knows so much, ready to go into ministry, or ready to do something where they have a new plan. But how often have we seen the young not ready for such a responsibility meet with trouble? So there is something to be said for age. There is something to be said for letting a few years pass. And so we see in Joseph that being young, talented, and gifted and called by God is indeed a great thing. But there is a time for education, for a refinement and for what I would call the providential school of hard knocks. And remember, as I've stated several times already, God was with Joseph, and the scripture tells us that. So the last 13 years of his life had been anything but a waste of time. And I say 13 years, but actually at this point in the story, it's only about 11 years, but it will be 13 years. And you'll see how that develops here very soon. So God had a 13-year training program outlined for Joseph. So consider this also, my friends. King David was 30 years old when he became king of Israel, as seen in 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 3, and in 1 Samuel chapter 16, verses 11 through 13. The, Levi the Levitical priests were trained, but they did not enter service until they were 30 years old, according to Numbers chapter 4, verses 46 and 47. Think about the Apostle Paul, who spent three years in the desert, according to Galatians chapter 1, verses 15 through 18, before he entered his own ministry for the Lord Jesus Christ. And this was after his extensive training that was really a lifelong training as a Pharisee. Jesus himself did not enter his ministry until he was about 30 years of age, according to Luke chapter 3, verse 23. And I personally did not enter into vocational ministry until I was 43 years old. So what's the point? The point is that there seems to be this idea that we can draw from Scripture that there's a great benefit to having a few years and some life experiences under your belt. And I'm not saying that there's a formula here or that God does not uh, use people who are young. Uh, God can and he does, and he certainly has used people in all kinds of situations. I'm just pointing out that there's something to be said for character development and the removal of sinful attitudes before you begin ministry, or really before you begin anything in your life. So you do have to start somewhere, though. <laughs> and perhaps the best place to begin 
is in the service of others as a servant to others. So notice, friends, that Joseph was faithful with whatever came his way. Faithful. And I would add that that faithfulness to God is the key to a successful ministry or successful anything else, for that matter. Faithfulness to God. You see, God will judge your work. He will judge your efforts. He will judge your heart. He can see full well what's going on. And he will promote you or he will not promote you. And it doesn't matter because this is about your service to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And this is based in his timeline and for his glorification. It does not have anything to do with what you think, what you demand or prefer, what you like, the timeline that you would like to see things done. It has everything to do with the glorification of God. So here we find ourselves in the first four verses of Genesis chapter 40. We have the story of the butler and the baker. And while we can be sure that there were many things which transpired during Joseph's prison stay, this is the only event recorded in scripture. Why do you think that is? Why only record this single event of all of Joseph's time in prison? Well, it's because the other events in Joseph's life at this point are not relevant to his eventual elevation and his time before Pharaoh. So let's dig in here a little bit and let's see what's going on. The butler was in charge of all the drinks which Pharaoh would drink, all the vineyards and the wine cellar were under his control. He was literally the wine taster for the Pharaoh. He had to make sure that there was no poisoning attempt on Pharaoh's life. How would you like to have that as a job? (laughs) You get to taste the drink, or at least you are in charge of who will be tasting the drink to ensure that Pharaoh will not be assassinated. You could say he ran this part of the kitchen, so to speak. He was in charge of the drinks. But next we have the baker, and he was in charge of all the things that the Pharaoh would eat. So you have a cup bearer, and you have someone who is in charge of cooking everything in the kitchen. So he had the same responsibilities in this regard as the butler did, or the cup bearer. So we don't know what happened, but we can conclude that something happened, which was an offense to Pharaoh. Was it bad food or bad drink? Or was it an assassination attempt? We don't know, but we do know that these two officers of Pharaoh now ended up in prison with Joseph, and Joseph was actually running the place. So essentially, they were in custody either awaiting Pharaoh's sentencing or awaiting the results of an investigation or both. We don't know. The scripture doesn't tell us. But it is reasonable to think that something went sideways here. There could have been an attempt on Pharaoh's life. So in verses 5 through 19, we find a setting similar to what we had back in Genesis 20 when God spoke to Abimelech through a dream. 
And how could we forget Joseph's dreams of Genesis 37, which are in part the reason for Joseph being where he now finds himself? Both the butler and the baker have dreams. And God speaks to people in the Old Testament many times through dreams. And they are such a big deal that these guys are noticeably sad. And, you know, when you first read this, I, I can't help but think maybe you have the same thought. Well, of course they're sad. They're in prison, right? I mean, not a lot of happy people in prison, like happy to be there. And so it seems kind of funny that Joseph would notice their sadness. But I would suggest that this is a compounded sadness. Yes, they're sad because they're in prison, in prison. But now there is something going on here more enough that Joseph notices this is beyond the normal sadness. What's going on? He asks. So as we get into each dream, I want you to notice God's sovereign control over all of this. First, we have the butler's dream. The butler, remember, he would be the one who was the cup bearer. He dreams he's back, serving Pharaoh again, pressing grapes into a grape into grape juice and immediately giving it to Pharaoh in the cup. Now, we should note here that it takes time to make wine. Wine has to ferment. There is a process and it is aged. But there seems to be an immediacy here in the butler's dream. He presses the grapes into the cup. It makes grape juice, and he gets it immediately to the Pharaoh. And Joseph tells them three branches mean three days. Joseph tells the butler that the butler will be back to work in three days and that he will be found innocent. And note what happens here. It's very important. Joseph asks the butler to remember him. He explains how he came to be in Egypt and his innocent landing in prison. But here's a question. What details does Joseph leave out? And why do you think he leaves out these details? He says he was kidnapped and, or that he was stolen and into slavery. But he doesn't say that it was his brother's that were the ones who did the kidnapping. He doesn't say anything about being accused of attempted rape of his master's wife. And I would suggest that he leaves these details out because he would bring out those details to Pharaoh in court. He's wanting his case to be heard. And he also does not want to get his brothers in trouble. There's no need to plead his case to the butler. He will save this for the moment in time when and if he gets an audience with the Pharaoh. And there's some wisdom here. Giving too much information to the butler could end up getting spun into something worse through the old rumor mill. And I also want to take note of this word dungeon that we read here. Joseph says, I haven't done anything to be put into this dungeon. And that's how it's rendered in the New King James Version and the New American Standard Bible. 
But in the English Standard Version, the translators use the word pit. And it's interesting because in Hebrew, it's the same word for pit or cistern or dungeon. You could translate that either way. But do you remember where the brothers put Joseph when they were waiting to sell him into slavery? That's right. They put him down into a dry cistern. And Joseph is no doubt remembering this his, his time in the cistern. And the comparison to the time in prison should not be lost here. He's using the same Hebrew word that's used back there when it says that they had him in a pit or in a cistern. So let's examine the baker's dream next. The baker, no doubt, overheard the interpretation of the butler's dream, and now he wants to hear the interpretation of his dream. And I would suggest that the baker had been holding back. And as we are going to see here, he has a good reason to hold back. It's not until he hears Joseph's positive interpretation of the butler that the baker shares his dream. And the Bible tells us here that the baker had all sorts of baked goods for Pharaoh. History records that the Pharaoh's menu had 38 kinds of cake and 57 varieties of bread. In his dream, the birds, which were considered sacred to ancient Egyptians, were eating the food that he had just made for Pharaoh. And of course, there are uh, depictions in Egyptian ancient art of bakers carrying the baked goods and baskets upon their heads. So he, unlike the butler, never got to serve Pharaoh. And I don't want to go too far with this, but if there was an assassination attempt via poisoning, they've all been shown that none of the bread made it to its intended target. Three baskets also means three days. And three days, Pharaoh will have the baker beheaded. And the Pharaoh will hang the body on a tree for the birds to eat. So whatever their crime was, it took Pharaoh or his team of investigators time to determine who was guilty and who was innocent. And God had shown Joseph through the two different dreams that in three days the verdict and the findings would be announced. And notice here that Joseph did not give his personal opinion of who was guilty, though they all likely knew who it was at this point. And he simply told what the Holy Spirit had shown him. Note that he was not afraid to speak what God had already shown. One man's head would be lifted, as in Pharaoh would reappoint him to his official duties. And the other man's head would be lifted, as in lifted clean off the rest of his body. 
we can see in verse 14 that Joseph was so confident in his interpretation of the dream that he asks the butler to remember him. You see, Joseph absolutely knew that the butler would once again be in the presence of Pharaoh. And think of this, dear Christian. This is the place where the faithful live. We live in the prison while the pagan who does not worship the one true living God is exalted. The sinner is exalted in this life while we remain beaten down. However, I would have you to remember this, dear Christian, we studied in James that James tells us to count it all joy when we face trials of various kinds. And that's in James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. James says that we are to remain steadfast and let it have its full effect because we will be made perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Do you remember going over that when we were in the book of James? I would suggest that you go back and take a listen and read your Bible. And so it was with Joseph. He is on his way to being perfected, and he will certainly become a man who did not lack anything. Verses 20 through 23 show us that Pharaoh was having a birthday party for himself. You know, it's good to be king. <laughs> and I'd like to share a quote from R. Kent Hughes in his commentary, Genesis, Beginning and Blessing, Preaching the Word. On page 472, he states, Heads up! Egyptian literature records the granting of amnesty on Pharaoh's birthday in later periods, but it was more common to grant amnesties on the anniversary of his ascension to the throne, which was also described as the birth of a god. Once again, we have sources outside the Bible confirming the likelihood of such an event as we find described here. During the party, the Pharaoh calls for the butler and the baker to be brought to him. It could even be that there was a plot to kill Pharaoh by poison through food, and this was when they were planning on doing it. And imagine the thoughts of the conspirators. Did they think they had been discovered? Did they think they'd gotten away with it? The Bible doesn't say, but it would add a peculiar significance to expose the plot, render the verdict, and then execute the criminal on the day the plot was supposed to be carried out. Let's notice how exact Joseph's interpretation was. First, the butler is pardoned and restored to his place as cup bearer for the Pharaoh. Next, the baker is found guilty and taken out to be hanged. But I want you to notice that the specific words spoken by Joseph to the cup bearer in verse 13 and to the baker in verse 19, they are repeated at the end of this chapter. And this is significant. You know, this had to be encouraging for Joseph. Personally, I believe that Joseph thought that one day his dreams would come true. I believe he knew these dreams came from God. However, it would only be human to doubt. After all, where's the proof? 
I mean, let's look at what had happened to Joseph up to this point. He was enslaved due to his brother's plot. He's now in prison for a crime that he did not commit. His former master might even think that Joseph is innocent, but due to his position and due to politics, he cannot free Joseph. And so imagine being alone in prison in the night, just before bedtime, all of the day's work is done, whatever duties that Joseph had as the keeper of the prison. And it's, you know, quiet and he's getting ready for bed. And you know, his thoughts had to return home. How his heart longed to see his father again. They had a special relationship. How he longed to wear that coat once more. Not because of the status. Not because of what his father was planning on doing. But because it was special because it came from his father. And no doubt he missed his full brother, Benjamin. Now remember, Benjamin is his full-blooded brother, not a half-brother. You know he had to wonder, if they're willing to do this to me, what in the world are they willing to do to my beloved brother, Benjamin? I want you to think about that. We forget these men and women who are recorded in scripture, they were human beings. They were not perfect. In fact, as you examine the scriptures, you're going to find all of their flaws are laid right out there for you to see. All of the sin, all of the bad attitudes, the actions that they did, it's all right there. And Joseph was human too. And you know there were times, just think about it, there had to be times where he wept, where his heart was broken, and he was homesick. How he wanted to feel his father's embrace, but that was not going to happen tonight. How he wanted to be with his brother, and probably even wanted to be around some of those half-brothers that were mean to him. He missed his family. Here he is, a member of the family of the covenant of the living God, and he's among all of these uncircumcised pagans worshiping these false gods. Where's the proof? You want to think that you've got a dream from God? Where's your proof? But you know when he saw these events come to pass in the butler's life, and in the baker's life, there was a reassurance that happened there. The precision of his interpretation had to reassure him. Think about it. God was exact with these two men and their dreams, and he's going to be exact with my dreams. But our chapter now kind, kind of ends on a little bit of a downer, a little bit of a kind of depressing thing here. And I cannot fathom how this happened, but the butler forgot about Joseph. 
No doubt he was immediately put in charge of the wine and the drinks at the party as the head cup bearer. And he had a lot of catching up to do because he'd been in prison during the last three days of the festival uh, party preparations. And another two full years are going to go by and the butler does not remember Joseph. Now, again, this is mind boggling to me. How in this world could one forget such an amazing circumstance? I had a dream and someone interpreted it for me. It came true. And now here I stand today alive doing my previous occupation. And everything this guy said came true. How would you forget that? Well, perhaps God even caused the butler to forget. Perhaps the butler had a taste of freedom after all, uh, it was a Hebrew in prison. Uh, maybe there were some other kind of thing that went on that he just didn't feel the need to bring it up. And of course, we all must remember that you don't just go in and talk to Pharaoh anytime you want to. <laughs> um, in fact, I would dare say someone in this position doesn't go before Pharaoh unless Pharaoh calls for them. The Bible doesn't say um, exactly how it happened. It just says that the butler forgot about Joseph. He did not remember Joseph before Pharaoh. So as we bring this episode to a close, I want us to ponder something here. You know, many Christians under much less um, pain, much less discouragement, um, they quit. They quit trying. They don't believe in the promises of God all the while claiming to be one of his children. And I want you to imagine how Joseph must have felt without scripture. See, there's no Bible at this time. I've reminded you several times during our podcast, at this point in history, they don't even have the Ten Commandments. Now, there is some sense of what is right and what is wrong, but as far as we know, God has not spoken yet. He speaks to people in visions and in dreams. He doesn't have a scripture verse like Romans 8.28 to comfort him. And what does the Bible tell us there in Romans 8.28? Well, friends, this verse is part of that golden chain of redemption. And it is taken out of context many times. It's taken out of context by my fellow Christians. But here's what it says, and I'm going to keep it in context for us. It says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God, to those who are the called according to his purpose. Friends, this verse is not for the non-believer. If you're listening to this and you don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you have not been reborn. This verse is not for you. This verse is for encouragement for those of us who have been called. How can I say that? How arrogant. How can I say that? I can say that because that's what it says. <laughs> Let's go through it again. We know that all things work together for good. And how many times have you heard someone say, you're Christian, I've heard it, you've probably heard it too, and they stop right there. Well, we know that all things work together for good. Yes, and there's more to that verse. Good for what? 
It says, for good to those who love God. Do you love God? Do you love God? Because Jesus said, you either love me or you hate me. There is no middle ground. He did not intend to leave you with middle ground. So these things that work together for good are to those who love God. That is what the scripture says. It says to those who are the called according to his purpose. This verse is for the called. It reminds those of us who are saved that God is at work. Friends, he is at work for your good and for his purpose. And his purpose in your good may not look the way you would describe good. I am sure that Joseph in a prison being accused for a crime he did not commit was not thinking, oh, this is good. This is how I would describe a good thing. No, friends. But what was going on? God was working something for God's purpose. And it was necessary for Joseph, for Joseph's purification. So you and I have that promise and we've got even more. Why would I say we have even more? Well, we have even more because we have the entirety of scripture. Joseph did not have the Bible as we have it today. But how often we give up the fight, never knowing what God is doing. Christian, it's called providence. It's called perseverance. It's called sovereignty of God. It's called faithfulness. God did not forget. You just don't know everything. <laughs> so continue to trust him. He was faithful to Joseph and he will continue to be faithful to his own. God bless. for listening to the forge podcast and don't forget to leave a review with comments let me hear from you leave a voice message through the link i hope and pray that you find ways to apply the truths of god's word in daily living remember dear christian you are forgiven it is by grace that you've been saved through faith may you grow in christ in the study of the bible and truly overcome wounds that were caused by sinful choices and actions of the past. I also pray that you are always reforming, seeking to glorify God in all that you say and do. Remember to be grateful to God for what he is working out, not only in you, but in all his creation as well. And lastly, be encouraged. Encouraged to serve God and others as you grow in him. 